KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. Hey now, I'm Jay Scott Smith. I'm Brian Seltzer. I'm Sabrina Boyd Serka. It's that time again. We just went through the Summer Olympics last year. Now it's time for the Winter Olympics. I want to sing the Olympics theme song, but I'll spare you all. It's in my head right now. I don't know if we legally can do that. The drum beats, the toms, bomb, bomb. (laughs) I can hear it. It feels like a time warp. We just had the Summer Olympics, but you know, that good old pandemic has just messed with everything. So this year, we were scheduled to have the Winter Olympics. They're hitting on time, and they're happening in Beijing. And the opening ceremonies for the Winter Olympics, despite having actually started yesterday, they're going to be tomorrow morning. Our time. Our good friend and my fellow Michigan State Spartan Miguel Martinez Valle from NBC10 is actually in Beijing right now covering the games. And we'll hear from him on the ground out in China coming up a bit here on today's podcast. But first, back here in the States, the Biden administration announced plans to address gun trafficking in major cities across the country. And KYW News Radio's Tim Jimenez was at police headquarters this morning with a look at how this initiative could affect the city of Philadelphia. The White House says federal agencies will do more to support local law enforcement. One way, according to the Justice Department, is to really crack down on the flow of illegal guns, including what's known as the Iron Pipeline, where guns are brought down south and they end up on the East Coast. The DOJ is also establishing a national ghost gun initiative. More of the focus here on dishing out federal charges for those who use these weapons that can be put together at home pretty easily. Officials say the use and availability of these ghost guns has been a growing problem in Philly and around the country for some time now. Also part of this plan, the feds want to cut into drug-related violence and overdose deaths in communities. And that's another issue, of course, affecting us here in Philadelphia as well. It's about time this gets some serious, serious, serious I know that people can't ignore it, but the most serious level of federal tension it can get. Wilbert Mora shot down in New York City. His funeral ceremony was earlier this week. We know what happens here in Philadelphia. Hopefully this can start to change some things. It's been a difficult last year for this. And and it seems like after just one month into the year, we're already kind of seeing a bit of the pattern of last year starting to kick in with almost an identical number of shootings and a number of kids who've either been shot or been killed this ridiculousness with these carjackings in this city over the last month. We got to get some of this under control. So this will certainly help to have the White House and have the federal government's backing behind this to try to reel this in because Philadelphia is too great of a city to be constantly plagued by nonsense like this. There's so much terrifying stuff like this going on out in the world and out in our city. Sometimes you need a little bit of escapism or or is this escapism? Have either of you watched Abbott Elementary? I have not yet. I have been meaning to watch Abbott Elementary, I, and I apologize because normally I get home at night. I'm I'm turning on an NBA game, but I do have to try to find Abbott Elementary because I've heard a lot of great stuff about this show. Understandable, but definitely get to it at some point. It is based in Philadelphia. It's all about the Philadelphia public schools. And, you know, I say, uh, is it really escapism? Because there's a, a lot of stuff that probably hits pretty close to home for people who work in or have been through the Philadelphia school system. Uh, But the creator, Quinta Brunson, she's from here. She's from West Philly. And uh, she was on Jimmy Kimmel the other day. I don't know if you guys heard about this. And got a surprise from her sixth grade teacher, who she named the show after, Miss Abbott, at Charter High School for Architecture and Design in Philadelphia, which is where she went to school. Uh, Jimmy 
you know, was kind of like, oh, I heard you named this after this show after Miss Abbott. When's the last time you talked to her? She was like, oh, I talked to her pretty recently. And he was like, well, how about you talk to her again right now? And then she pops up on the video screen. And Quinta just had the sweetest reaction. She just, like, breaks down in tears. Clearly this teacher influenced her so much. It was it was adorable. Everybody's got one teacher. Well, hopefully has got one teacher that had that sort of influence in their life, whether it's whether it's Miss Abbott for Quinta Brunson, whether it's my my journalism teacher in high school, Miss Gail Jones back at Renaissance High School in Detroit, who she was first person who believed that I could do what I'm doing right now. Teachers have that sort of influence on people's lives. I see it a lot with my mom, where former students of hers who are in their 50s and 60s will come up to her and say, you did this for me. So this that was I did see that video, and that was really cool. Can I say, I'm just a big fan, and maybe we have Oprah to thank for this, of the <laughs> surprise, look who's behind door number one <laughs> moments on TVs and talk shows. I really enjoy that. That could, now, Not in the Jerry Springer or Maury sense, but I do like it in the, the Oprah approach to it, where let's surprise you in a very warm, uplifting way with someone. Right. I think it's great. We're talking about nothing but positives right now. And another positive, something really cool, is that Lunar New Year, it officially started on Tuesday, but the celebration is continuing here in the city of Philadelphia in Chinatown the entire weekend. Yes, big weekend ahead in Chinatown Saturday at the Rail Park, really the only outdoor space that's in the Chinatown district. There's the outdoor Lunar New Year celebration, so very safe setting for families, groups of people out there. The Philadelphia Suns, the famous Philadelphia Suns are going to perform a lion dance, and then the Suns' official lion dance parade is going to be on Sunday all throughout Chinatown, going to businesses. The goal there is to get rid of some of those evil spirits and the bad juju. Yes, Get it out. We have had too much bad spirits the last two years, so get it on out of there. Um, I spoke with Devin Stahl. She works at the Philadelphia Chinatown Development Corporation earlier today. This is the Year of the Tiger, and I asked her to tell us about the significance of the Year of the Tiger. The Year of the Tiger really signifies determination, courage, which I think is something we could all use going into the new year, especially recovering from the ongoing pandemic. So I think probably this year, the significance of the animal in the zodiac is even more important. It's something to to give us strength and look forward to the upcoming year. And unfortunately, we know firsthand here in Philadelphia, thinking of Christina Liu, the student from Central High School, that anti-Asian sentiment is something that is pervasive and exists in society today. And Devin Stahl was saying that this is something, anti-Asian sentiment is something that Asian Americans have to deal with every day. Um, and then she wanted to talk about how celebrating the Lunar New Year could be used as an effort to try and combat anti-Asian hate. I think there's something to be said for being able to proudly practice your cultural traditions, particularly within this context of anti-Asian hate. And it's also a great opportunity for us to, to welcome people who might not be familiar with Lunar New Year's uh, celebrations. Come learn more about us. Come celebrate with us. Well, she mentioned there with Lunar New Year, our friend, my friend, Francis Wang, who just recently joined NBC10, by the way, is the daughter of Chinese immigrants. And she has been very, very helpful this week in kind of educating people on Lunar New Year. Just a tweet she had the other day is Lunar New Year's right around the corner, a reminder that Asian communities, not just the Chinese, celebrate Lunar New Year. And people used to refer to it as Chinese New Year. And she says, that's not wrong, but Lunar New Year is more inclusive to all Asian Americans because there are Vietnamese Americans, Japanese Americans. Everybody celebrates. It's a reminder of that when you think about these things. 
that was something that Devin spoke about as well, that also that the history of Chinatown, it started over 150 years ago and it obviously has its roots with Chinese people who immigrated here. But really, Chinatown has become a safe haven for all people of Asian descent, Asian Americans, Pacific Islanders as a place of refuge. And you certainly can't think, I personally believe, of Philadelphia without thinking about Chinatown. It's impossible to not go through there and just feel the history that's been there. And uh, hey, a lot of excitement there now, Devin Stahl said, because the Olympics are taking place in Beijing. And we will be talking about those Olympics. Of course, you can, we'll, you'll hear about those stories and everything else you can find on our website, kywnewsradio.com. And as, and as Brian just mentioned, Winter Olympics are just getting underway in Beijing. And it's a pretty big deal this year. And there's a lot to talk about when it comes to these Olympic Winter Games. And we're joined by Miguel Martinez Valle, who is in Beijing. He's from NBC10. That's coming up here on the JohnCast. I'm Jay. I'm Sabrina. I'm Brian. And this is the John Cast. Now, the Olympics. Simple question. We watching this or not? We in or out? All in. I'm usually the non-sports fan here, but the Olympics? The Olympics get me as well. I mean, you get things like figure skating. You get the luge. Yeah. The luge, I was, oh, was going to say Louvre, and uh, that's something <laughs> that's different. That's the art museum. That's a museum. <laughs> um, <laughs> the luge. The luge, the uh, real, just like unique sports. It's kind of cool to see some of these really almost obscure sports you don't see any other time. I'm in on the Olympics. I think the fact that Sabrina is all in, Ms. Sportsball over here, speaks to the fact, <laughs> speaks Sabrina to the power <laughs> of the Olympics. But that's what the Olympics are all about. It's the transcendent thing. It gets everybody into it. And how about this for an assignment? The great Miguel Martinez Valle is pulling double duty in Beijing, covering the Olympics for both NBC10 and Telemundo 62. 13 hours ahead over there right now, so that would mean it's about 2 in the morning as we tape this. But before Miguel hit the hay, we chatted a few hours ago about this gig he's got covering the Olympics for the next couple of weeks. It is outstanding to be talking to you, Miguel, from Beijing, China. Set the scene for us, man. What's it like there? How's it going? Hey, Mio. Yeah, so we are, yeah, we're in Beijing, obviously gearing up, opening ceremony, the Olympics, and it's exciting. It's obviously different than, uh, you know, any Olympics we've seen before, even Tokyo. Just this summer, I can't believe it was only a couple months ago, but this is my first time covering the Olympics, uh, so I don't have a lot to compare it to. But from what I'm hearing from my colleagues here, you know, the being in this closed loop is not not the norm, but it's still exciting. I was going to ask you personally, what's it like to get an assignment like this? When did you find out? What was your reaction to it? I got to think it's a pretty plum gig. Yeah. So uh, I actually remember the exact moment I got the call from our news director, Elizabeth. Um, I was at Hoagie Fest (laughs) for Wawa Welcome (laughs) America. So uh, the assignments I think are very similar. I would describe that as the Olympics for Philly. You know, (laughs) the Philly Olympics are Hoagie Fest. I was covering that, you know, doing my serious journalism, uh, talking about all of the hoagie excitement. And she calls and she says, hey, like, I have to tell you something. It's not for sure yet, but just want to gauge your interest. Would you want to go to Beijing? And I said, yes. And she goes, well, it's going to be a lot of effort and you're going to a lot of work, long hours. You're going to have to do it for NBC and Telemundo. And I said, mm-hmm, yep, yeah, I'll all gone like right now. Like, when do you want me to get on this plane? I'm ready. And uh, it didn't really change. And uh, this last month, it was getting more nerve wracking because with, you know, COVID spikes and Omicron and everything, 
they were really clamping down here and you know they were doing more testing requirements and we knew that like there was a chance that if you tested positive you had to be in this isolation and procedure okay once you got to china and so i got another call and it was like are you sure you want to go and you know my photographer and i were like yeah like we're pretty committed to going and thankfully we haven't had covid in you know the last year year and a half if at all and that's a big part of it because the tests here in uh in beijing and in china are actually more sensitive than the tests in the united states so it would have been able to sense if we've had it like even six months ago and you wouldn't be allowed in yeah give us a sense of what's happening on the ground there obviously over here half a world away we can only get a sense of what the environment and atmosphere is like from what we're re- i maybe should have started this interview by asking are we on a secure line are you allowed to be doing this interview can, can your interview get out from china because you hear so much about what reporters are allowed to discuss testing protocols things like that so give us a sense of what's going on on the ground yeah i mean we Again, in this closed loop, and so we're in the IBC right now, the International Broadcasting Center, and it's media from all over the world. NBC has our own little section, which is, I mean, up, up, you know, more secure. There's there's steps to make it more secure, but how secure are we at any point? We don't know, right? And that's the risk. You, I mean, and that's the same risk that was here in 2008. It's kind of like when when it was picked as the Olympic host, you know, it, you assume it, but security measures i mean we have a a great team that makes us feel really safe the biggest concerns being obviously keeping covid safe because the the protocols are really strict and that's kind of when there's no wiggle room so if i I get tested like my day-to-day i wake up you know go to the gym whatever get tested before i leave my hotel and then i have to scan a badge you know with all my with my information come in here, scan that badge to get into the Olympic complex and, you know, go about my day. And that is kind of like my passport in and out. And so if I skip testing one day, my badge wouldn't scan, I wouldn't be allowed in. And so it is very like, you have to check all of the boxes. And that's been something that has been just, you know, you you have to make sure like that you're thinking about it and that you're being, you know, as respectful to the rules so that you can bring people the coverage of the excitement because even though it's so strict i mean i'm still finding myself very excited like at various moments of the day obviously i wish i could go out and see you know the forbidden city and see the great wall and everything but just being here it kind of feels it does feel cool it does seem like it has to be one of those events where being there there's just a vibe to it. You know it's something special. I mean, it's it's the Olympics. This is something that transcends the interest of the casual sports fan. Everyone knows about the Olympics. Everyone follows it. I think I was so nervous uh, about, like, getting here. Like, I just wanted to get here. That once I got here, I finally allowed it to hit me. And I just had the biggest smile. And it's cool to then see other people that are feeling the same, like a journal, like uh, yesterday I met somebody from Denmark that was here reporting. And then I met somebody from Australia that works for like a Japanese publication that was reporting. And so it was amazing to see other people that have traveled to do the same thing, even though we knew it was going to be different than other Olympics. And we knew that there were going to be restrictions and we knew that there were going to be these protocols we have to follow. People are just happy to be a part of it because it's a global event. And there's few times when we're this connected, you know. 
From an infrastructure standpoint, how ready is Beijing to host this? All the venues, do they seem up to snuff, stadiums, that whole thing? Yeah, so we've seen the the birds nest, obviously, was, and a lot of the infrastructure in Beijing was here for the 2008 Olympics. And so that helped a lot. We are taking the bullet train up to the other ones. Infrastructure-wise, I know the stadiums, like that's ready. I would be interested to see, had this been more open, you know, like had there been international fans and had there not been a captain, how many people could go, if there would be any issues. But because it's so controlled, there hasn't it hasn't seen like there are any infrastructure issues, at least. Obviously, you know, there are the, the human rights issues and the boycotts and everything, those. But from the, the, the drama here, it doesn't seem to be the infrastructure. Have you done a full deep dive yet on what a diplomatic boycott is? <laughs> Can you tell us about that? What is that? Of course, we're going to see athletes from the United States of America participating in Beijing, but it was made known a while ago that the administration's going to be taking the stance of a diplomatic boycott, and the U.S. isn't the only country doing that. Tell us, educate us. I'm sure you've done your research on diplomatic boycotts. <laughs> yeah, and so, I mean, basically, uh, you won't see you know, the president uh, here, and you won't see Dr. Joe Biden here. You also don't see any high-ranking heads of state. And, and that's pretty much it. I mean, the president did say that he supports Team USA and is cheering them on. And I think that's kind of where, as I'm covering this, the story isn't so much as much as maybe they want it to be about, you know, China putting on this great show. For me, the story is following our U.S. Olympic athletes, the people that have been training so hard for this and have given their whole lives. We've met a lot of people from specifically the bobsled team uh, in Lake Placid, New York last fall. A lot of the people that I hung out with there that we were shadowing are here. They made it to the Olympics. And so it was really funny when, you know, because I kept following up while we were friends on Instagram. We are friends on Instagram. And I'd be like, any news yet or like or they'd go to Europe to compete I'd be like good luck and same thing and so when I posted my announcement that I was coming to the Beijing they were like we're so excited for you like blah 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 when they posted their announcement I was like I'm excited for you and even as we're here they're in one of the other zones like closer to the mountains they're like are you going to come off to cover this and I was like yeah I'll be there like of course I'll be there and so it's those connections knowing what they went through and now seeing them here like I think that's kind of what the Olympics is about like that discipline and the payoff, hopefully. And I guess the other part of your task while you're there is how to localize some of your coverage to the greater Philadelphia region. Anything in particular you're keeping your eye on that's got a local angle to it? That's what we're looking for. I'm looking for anything from like, uh, you know, are there cheesesteak spots? I've been talking to a few <laughs> athletes who have like small Philly ties. You know, so, so this one's good for Philly. Um, I talked to Adam Ripon, who is coaching Ryan Bell for ice skating right and um he obviously has medaled before been to the olympics uh one of the bigger names is from pennsylvania from scranton so i asked him the biggest journalistic question that i could you know are you like sheets or wawa <laughs> and i'm thinking he's from scranton he's gonna say sheets he says and we this is on our nbc um my little plug here so that i don't get in trouble from our bosses on nbc we do have the fun little online questionnaire and you can hear him answer this so you know that i'm not lying he says well sheets is a gas station so wawa all the way so i mean he's team wawa he's on our side that's tremendous i guess when you really break it down right sheets was a gas station first the gas station was part of 
Wawa's evolution. I've never really looked at it like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He goes, Wawa's a deli, Wawa's, you know, coffee. And I was like, yeah. I mean, for me, that's that's where I stopped for anything. <laughs> Fantastic. So I know that by following you on Twitter and other places that I can get my morning Olympic tea, or depending on the time of day, yes. just my Olympic tea every day. Tell us how we can follow all the great stuff that you're going to be doing the next couple of weeks. Of course. Yeah. I just posted the latest Olympic tea. So make sure you're following me on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. That's at Miguel M. Valle, B as in Victor, A-L-L-E. Um, and Facebook, Miguel Martinez Valle. So I'll be posting uh, exclusives on my uh, social media platform reels, uh, you know, kind of looks at, you know, my journey at in the IBC, the broadcasting center, fun little things. So some things that I'll be talking about robots, there are robots everywhere. I will show you that really? they are used for, they're everywhere. They're used for everything. Bartender robots, well, janitorial robots, a Roomba, but like 20 times bigger. Well, we'll that'll be a story you guys can look out for. And then the currency here, which are pins. You got, uh, and it doesn't make sense right now, but in, in the Olympics, pins are like, it's more than money. Wow. Like you trade pins with other people and, and that'll be fun. This is explain. inside the Olympic zones or village, only within the Olympic grounds? Olympic zones, but also not just the Beijing Olympics. Pins are the big deal, like for all Olympics. People have Tokyo pins, people have, you know, Rio pins. Uh, that's a culture. I didn't know about. It's kind of like once you know, you know, but I'll give you guys an inside look at that. Sweet. Well, we know that when this is all said and done, obviously you're going to have your Beijing pin, Miguel. This sounds like such a cool, awesome assignment. Cheers to you for getting it and enjoy it. We'll be following along. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. And yeah, I'll keep you all updated. Once again, you can find Miguel on all social media platforms. Just type in his name, Miguel Martinez Valle. We are all about here on the John Cast, bringing on people with Spartan ties. Another good one. Absolutely. You kind of the resident Spartan in charge here certainly appreciates that. And that was Miguel Martinez Valle. Thank you for joining us for this edition of the John Cast. That's it for today. I'm Jay Scott Smith. I'm Brian Seltzer. I'm Sabrina Boyd Circa. And tomorrow. We're doing Girl Scout cookies, ladies and gentlemen. We'll catch you tomorrow here on the podcast. Have a great Thursday. We'll see you on Friday.